Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Ruth chapter 4, the kinsman redeemer, the whole Bible is really a story of redemption. This is a key word when you study the Bible. The idea of redemption runs from Genesis to Revelation. When our first parents fell in the garden, we have an early sign that a redeemer is coming. Genesis 3.15 is often cited as that place where there's a promise of a, a redeemer who will crush the head of the serpent. And indeed, he did that at the cross, and he will finish that when he comes again and restores this planet and uh, finishes that work of redemption. The work of redemption, in one sense, is finished, and in one sense, it is not yet. I've been sharing with you the already not yet sense of theology. We are redeemed. We have been, our sin has been paid for in full at the cross. Jesus said, it is what? Finished. Another way to translate that is paid in full. The idea of redemption literally means to buy back or to pay for someone to be out of bondage. Uh, slaves were redeemed in the ancient world. Land could be redeemed. Individuals were redeemed. And we are the redeemed of God. The Redeemer has come to rescue us. And this theme moves throughout our Bible. We take note in the book of Ruth that life had been rough for Naomi and Ruth. Uh, In fact, the book of Ruth starts with three funerals, one for uh, Naomi's husband, who's Elimelech, and then the two sons die, Malon and Kilion, and it starts with three funerals, but the book is going to end with a birth, a birth of a young man named Obed. His name means to serve. It has that connotation of service. And the, the book starts with funerals and ends with really a wedding and new birth. And that's the beauty of what redemption is all about. Sin and death came into the world because our first parents failed. They took the bait. They took the bite of the forbidden fruit. Sin and death came into the world, but then the Redeemer would come. He would come in the person of Jesus Christ to buy us back out of the slave market of sin. In the book of Exodus, God says to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, I will deliver you from their bondage, I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. This is Exodus 6, 6 and 7. Then I will take you for my people, I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. The first mention of the idea of redemption really clearly spoken is in Exodus and it's very clear to us why. The children of Israel are in Egyptian bondage. 400 years of taskmasters and the mud dances and wondering will God ever hear our cry? If you ever saw Cecil B. DeMille's depiction of the Egyptian slavery, there's an old man doing the mud dance and Charlton Heston is out visiting his people and one of the taskmasters throws like a hatchet at him and hits him in the chest. And as he's dying, uh, Charlton Heston, who's playing Moses, grabs him, pulls him out of the mud. He said, I will not allow a man to die in the mud. And then the man voices these words. He says, my prayer has remained unanswered. Uh, I've been praying for a deliverer, for a redeemer, and, and my eyes have not seen it. And in the movie, it's a pretty moving scene because 
He was looking at the deliverer. Moses becomes a type of Jesus who comes into our bondage and delivers us. Now, we do all know that one of the big themes of the book of Exodus is this final plague, and when the final plague is going to come, the Israelites are told that they need to do something. They are to slay a lamb at twilight, and they are put to, to put the blood of the lamb, what, on the doorpost on, in the, and the lentil, it's been pointed out, if you haven't seen this before, by our Jewish friends and pastors, that when they put the blood on the doorpost, it would make the sign of the cross on the two doorposts and then on the top of the door. And if you had the blood of the lamb applied to your house in the threshold where covenants were made, when the death angel came, you would experience something called redemption. Death would not come to your door. But if the blood was not applied to your house, you would die. Or at least in this case, all the firstborn would die. And so this is the idea of redemption. When God parted the Red Sea and Pharaoh once again changed his mind and the Egyptian army was coming and God covered them with the sea, they sang this song, the song of Moses, Exodus 15, 11 says, who is like thee among the gods, uh, o Lord, who is like thee, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. Thou didst stretch out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. In thy loving kindness thou hast led the people whom thou hast redeemed. In, the strength that thou, in thy strength thou hast guided them to thy holy habitation. David at the end of Psalm 19 called God my rock and my redeemer. And as we go through the book of Revelation, we, are in, we were in chapter five Wednesday night. We saw Jesus take the title deed of the earth out of the right hand of him who sits on the throne. All of heaven began to praise him, and they said, worthy is the lamb to receive glory, honor, and praise, for thou did purchase for God with thy blood, men of every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. Listen to those words. Thou did purchase for God with thy blood. That's the idea of redemption. It means to purchase, to buy back one who is uh, unable to save themselves. In the New Testament, we have these words from the Apostle Paul. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Uh, to purchase, to set free by paying a price. The, the price of our redemption was not silver and gold, uh, inherited the, the bad conduct we inherited from our forefathers. The price of our redemption was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans seven fourteen, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh sold into bondage to sin. We need to be redeemed. Every single person, men and women, boys and girls, young and old, need to meet the Redeemer. And the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. One of our jobs is to spread a message of redemption. And what's interesting is that redemption was not only a spiritual reality, although that's the most important expression of it, but redemption was practiced in the life of Israel. And individuals, human beings, would be able to redeem other humans, but they had to do it through an act of love. Redemption, to redeem someone else would cost you something. It would cost you money. In this case, it may cost you uh, inheritance and that kind of thing. And so it had to be something that you would do out of a selfless act. The word redeem, I've been telling you in the Bible, in Hebrew is goel or ga'al. 
It literally in the Hebrew picture language means to lift up God. Listen to this by Jesus. He said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will what? I will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which uh, he was going to die. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus has obtained eternal redemption. Hebrews 9.12, that is done. And Titus 2.13 and 14 says, we are looking for or waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. And so in many ways, we are involved in the business of redemption. We can't redeem anybody, but we can preach a message about redemption. When we preach the gospel, people have a chance to move from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. They have a a chance to experience forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus Christ. This is the story of the church. The book of Ruth is your story, by the way. Because Ruth and Naomi were involved in darkness, famine, barrenness, and death. And they came back to Bethlehem to the house of bread, empty, uh, beaten up by life. And just in a few chapters later, light has come because there's a redeemer. And now they're in the mode of waiting. Uh, we, at the end of chapter three, as we were following the drama, we, were, we saw this scene between Naomi and Ruth. She said, 318, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, that's Boaz, until he has settled it today. And so we said now they were in a wait mode, but she was told it's gonna be settled today. It's gonna be all right, you're gonna know. And I'm sure they were chomping at the bit, waiting for this answer about the redemption process. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, yet those who wait for the Lord or hope in the Lord will gain what? They will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Even though our redemption is already, in another sense, it is not yet. We are waiting for the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're waiting for our Redeemer to come. And Jesus said, when you see these things happen, look up for your, what? Redemption draweth nigh or draws near. When you see these things begin to happen, look up because your Redeemer is coming. Oh, that's going to be a great day, isn't it? If we are here, whatever's happening on the planet, when the glory of Jesus Christ appears, I believe it's going to appear in the darkened sky because the book of Revelation tells us the sun, moon, and stars will no longer shine their light and Jesus is going to make the grand entrance of all grand entrances. We know some people like to walk into a room and, right? Granted, well, Jesus is going to make the ultimate grand entrance. He's going to illuminate the darkened sky with the glory of God. By the way, all the angels are coming with him. Do you know how many angels the Bible says there are? Probably billions of angels. Can you imagine? Just the glory of Jesus alone is enough. But then all the angels coming with him, and there's going to be two responses to that coming. One is going to be, oh, yeah. And another one is going to be, uh oh. <laughs> Apparently, the Bible stories were true. And Jesus says, look up. 
Your redemption is here. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance and this is Living Truth Radio and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. When you begin to see these things happen, he says, your redemption's right at the door. See, this is what we wait for, even though it's already, in one sense, it's not yet. And that's kind of where Ruth is. Ruth has gotten, you know, she, she's gotten some vibes from Boaz. They're, they're in like, Definitely. But Boaz has some obstacles to overcome. And so he's running around. He wants to redeem her. It's already clear that he loves her, but there's a few obstacles. There's another guy, another closer relative that he's got to deal with. And so here's where the story kicks off. This is the final chapter of the drama of redemption, at least in the book of Ruth. And let me just say to you that God will write the final chapter. In fact, he's already written the final chapter. It's Revelation 22. We know how the story ends. So whatever you're going through right now, be of good cheer, my brothers and sisters. We know how the story ends. And by the way, God is going to write the last chapter of your life as well. And since he is good and we know he's for us and what? Not against us. We know that our redeemer lives. Job said it in the book of Job. I know my redeemer lives. When did Job say that? When everything was cool and peachy in his life? No. He said, even if my flesh is destroyed, in my flesh I will see God. I know, not I hope, I know that my redeemer lives lives. By the way, Job, many scholars believe, is one of the oldest books in the Bible. Job said that in the midst of difficulty, trial, and despair. Now, Boaz, chapter 4, verse 1, went up to the gate and sat down there. So now he's in, in action as the ladies are waiting. And behold, the close relative. Uh, if you have an ESV, it says the Redeemer. NIV says the kinsman redeemer. There was more than one here, and they were family members, uh, probably not brothers of Elimelech, probably something like cousins, of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. He had told Ruth there's another, and he's closer, so he's got the first right of refusal, if you will. So he said, turn aside, friend, sit down here, and he turned aside to sit down. Now, Boaz went up to the gate and sat down, the gate of Bethlehem. The city gate was a main hub for any activity in the ancient world. Archaeology, by the way, has not discovered the city gate of Bethlehem, but every major city and town really had a city gate. The city gate was not only a place where you would enter and exit a town, but it was also a place where they would do and transact business. In fact, in the book of Genesis, we see Lot at the city gate of Sodom which indicates to us that Lot may have migrated into some form of leadership even in Sodom, which was part of the problem with Lot. He began to compromise more and more. As you read a little bit about city gates and what happened there, the elders of a city would, would dwell there, and they would, they would be there for different reasons. For example, one could be to settle a dispute. Another could be for some sort of ceremony or religious uh, 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 honoring. Another thing could be that there was some legal transaction that required witnesses. Uh, 
You know, if you have something that happens in a court of law or something has to be done by, what's that person that stamps your documents in? Notary. So there's extra witnesses involved in, in sealing a deal, if you will. And at the city gate, this is all uh, that would happen. One writer says the city gate was the socioeconomic center of the city. Religious ceremonies, administrative matters, legal transactions, especially where formalities were required to be observed, all took place at the city gate. The elders of the city who were in some sort of governmental oversight over the people would hear complaints, settle disputes between members of the community. Interestingly enough, I've been telling you about Proverbs 31 and how in the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth follows Proverbs. And the question is answers an excellent wife who can find that, that question is answered in the next book in the Hebrew Bible. That's the book of Ruth. An excellent wife is going to be Ruth. Well, it says of this uh, Proverbs 31 woman that her husband is known in the gates, Proverbs 31, 23, when he sits among the elders of the land. Proverbs 31, 31 says, give her the product of her hands and her works will praise her in the gates, Proverbs 31, 31. And the idea there is that this excellent woman, Proverbs 31, she is so honorable, so well known that her husband is known by his relation to her. And in fact, at the city gates, they say something like this, oh, that's the husband of so-and-so. She's an awesome woman. Amen? All the ladies in the room said, come on, ladies, come on, ladies. Amen. And all the guys, you should have been backing them up with a deeper bass. Amen. Now, the providence of the Lord is on display because all of a sudden there's this idea of behold, uh, Boaz at the city gate, he wants to make sure everything's done correctly and all of a sudden, who comes walking by the guy that he's got to transact some business with, right? I don't know how many people were in Bethlehem, but that's pretty good timing. You ever had something on your heart, you're somewhere, you want to deal with it, and all of a sudden, here comes the perfect person walking by. Hey, hey, hey. Apparently, this is no, we all know the word, dink, right? Here he comes, walking by. Behold, here's the close relative. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city, Boaz did, and said, sit down here. So they sat down. And then he said to the closest relative who happened to be walking by, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. Now I told you that I don't think he's a literal brother, although they wouldn't even have to transact this business if he was. Naomi has this piece of land. She's destitute. She does own a piece of land in some sense. What is the status of the land? Well, she can't redeem it, which indicates to us that somehow it had been mortgaged. It may be that before Elimelech led his family to Moab during the famine that he had to sell the piece of land. But remember, even if you sold a piece of land, it still became the right of redemption for that family. So if you had to sell it for economic reasons, you still could buy it back. And so the land is in some need of redemption, but we know that Naomi and, of course, Ruth have no means to buy the land back. So it's got to be done by a kinsman redeemer. His name is Boaz. His name means strength, and Boaz becomes a type of who? Of Jesus. We don't have the strength to buy ourselves out of the slave market of sin. We're poor and destitute spiritually. We're broken in bondage and sin. We need another to rescue us. And our champion shows up. He won't rest until he pays our redemption price. And so he's busy about transacting the business, if you will, to save us, to rescue you 
and to rescue me. That's the beauty of his love. Somebody uh, has said that uh, redemption is a story of romance. Think about it. People often talk about the Bible being a love story. It's captured in just these four little chapters, this, this jewel in our Old Testament called the book of Ruth, which really is a story of the whole Bible. It's a story of redemption. And so here, there's going to be a little business transacted. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8 9 that Jesus became poor, that we might become rich to buy us back. So he says, I thought to inform you, he, Boaz talking now to this other family member, saying, buy it before those who are sitting here, before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. I'm sure he was churning inside, though, because he didn't want him to say yes. He loved Ruth. He wanted to redeem her, but he had to do things right. He said, if you'll redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know. For there is no one but you to redeem it. And I am after you. And he said, I will redeem it. I think at that point, Boaz's heart sunk. He was throwing it out there. If you want to redeem it, you can redeem it. But deep down, he said, oh, please say no. Don't say that you want to be with her. Don't say that you want to redeem this land. But you got to do things right. And so all of a sudden, the response comes, uh, I'll redeem it. But Boaz was holding a card an ace in the hole. I'm not sure why this other family member didn't know all that went with this, but he said, on the day that you buy the field, verse five, from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the, the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. Oh, by the way, there's a little fine print I need to point out to you. This be a package deal. This is not just about land. There's a woman who comes with the land. In fact, there's two women. There's Ruth and then there's Naomi and this is a package deal. You've got to redeem it all. If you're going to redeem it, you've got to redeem it all. Some people are real quick to want to pull the trigger on a deal until they realize all the implications of it, right? Oh, really? So notice the response. The closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself. And Boaz was going, yes! Yes, I'm sure he's trying to hide it, but yeah, baby. How many of you have ever had that moment where you're trying to play it cool on the outside, but on the inside, you're leaping for joy? Sometimes this is uh, the story of love. You ask a girl out for the first time, you try to play it all cool. Hey, uh, would you um, like some time to have a cup of coffee with a friend of mine? I mean, me? And when the girl says, that'd be great, you go, yes, but you try to play it cool, trip over a couple things. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll pick you up at, uh, well, seven. <laughs> so he said, I can't redeem it. Redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. And Boaz had to be jumping for joy. You know, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, although he despised the shame. You hear pastors say, what was the joy set before Jesus? Well, I think the joy was to please his father, but I think ultimately the joy was to know that all of us who are Christians in this room are gonna be in that community. I think the joy was to know that he was going to bring you back from the dead, if you will, into the land of promise, into heaven, and of course the millennial reign of Christ. The question yeah, before us is what would love do? 
Now, scholars have pointed out that even though this is not exactly what's called the leveret uh, situation, and, and I'll explain that in a moment, I, I turn to Deuteronomy just a few books back. Deuteronomy 25, it has the spirit, the spirit of the Torah or the law, Deuteronomy 25, captured in leveret uh, uh, teaching is found here, although it's not exact. Let me explain. And you've probably run across this before in your Bible where if a woman was married and she died, it was the responsibility, or excuse me, the husband dies uh, of the woman. It was the responsibility for the next brother in line who was not married to marry the widow, especially, of course, if there were no children. And so he had to go ahead and, and step up and marry her. And of course, when you think about it, um, this was more obligation. Is love always about feelings? Not necessarily. Agape love, agape love is, is what we owe. We love him because he first loved us. Love is a feeling, no doubt, but love is much more than a feeling. You don't stop loving just because you don't feel it. Thank you for joining us today, listening family. This is Andrew Chapel. I'm here with Pastor Michael Lance. Boy, you really sound like you're from New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do what I can. Uh, well, we're finishing up Ruth chapter four here, and um, we really focused in here on the kinsman redeemer. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, Andy. I mean, the theme of redemption is such a grand biblical theme. You know, when you think about it, it goes all the way back to the uh, the fall in Genesis and the idea that a redeemer would be coming. And I think of the book of Job, when Job went through all of his trials and tribulations and, you know, he said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he talked even in that book about the hope of the resurrection uh, in the um, light of such incredible difficulty. So the idea of redemption, then, then moving through the Old Testament, we have the idea of the right of redemption and we have um, lands that can be redeemed and, and that kind of thing. And then as we move to the book of Ruth, we can see uh, how it applies to uh, a land situation here, but it really speaks of a coming redeemer who will be a human being, who will uh, be the kinsman redeemer uh, for mankind. Yeah, I, I, I love the imagery that we see in Ruth um, of Boaz taking Ruth and, and her mother-in-law and, and all of the baggage that she has. You know, there, there's so much going on in their lives. And, and all of that is, it almost seems like it's set aside for the love that he has for her. Yes. And I, and I just think of, of, of Christ setting aside everything for humanity. All driven by love. I think you said it well, Andy, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And First Peter picks up the theme and, and talks about that we were not redeemed with uh, corruptible things like silver and gold from our feudal way of life inherited from our forefathers, mm -hmm. but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So Boaz may have had to fork over, you know, monetary value and he had to take on the baggage, but, but what drove him was love. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.